Welcome to the Second Chance Podcast, where we explore the deeper inner of the human psyche, find new ways to reinvent and invent ourselves for the better, for the wiser, for the more rational, and the happier and more contemporary. Trends and conversation and ideas that I would like to highlight at the moment. A trend that consists of viewpoints on on certain issues specifically with the issue of the view of the west on the russian debacle and the two two opposing sides one giving credence to the validation of the destitute russia which wanted just to be heard and the the other voice giving authority to the American system or the West as a whole to being the the demanders of justice on an improper act of war. And there's extremes of both sides and then there's softness to both sides and the common denominator of, of these two sides is that they're opposing each other fundamentally. And I think that would give fair judgment to the analysis of the surrounding ideas of this situation. And in fact, you could generalize every set of ideas to two opposing sides, one with the shadow and one with the, the light and then we are to determine what is the shadow and what is the light. We can't have such a discussion without discussing power because power would, how we understand and how we determine power and how we appropriately moralize power will be the outcome of which side we pick. For if we find power to be deplorable as a trending thought in society, then we'll automatically assume the role of the less powerful, assume the role of the the one seeking validation from the authority powerful figure. And I think we all can agree that the United States and the West is more powerful than Russia and Europe in general, economically, um, politically, culturally. There is still a subservient nature of the world towards America, towards the United States, although they won't last forever, and we see a decline in that change, and it will happen no matter maybe a decade, two decades, or if technological advances allow it to happen faster or there's a revolution of sorts. So automatically viewing power as deplorable will give you the openness to see it from the the Russian. We'll see it from the an understanding of the Russian um, requirements and their needs 
being not compassionate, but somewhat open to how we've hurt them in our power to be. Now, there is also the element of the one less powerful than Russia, which is what Russia you invaded, which is Ukraine. For in Ukraine, if you're going to view it as a power dynamic, then Ukraine is the lowest of the pow power totem pole. So therefore, they are the most virtuous, Russia being second and the West being third. Now, because you want to appreciate the the subservient nature to power of Russia towards the United States, you might want to deem them as an understandable and almost honorary validation of, you know, the NATO and the whatever the, the powers that they've been dealing with that were imposed on them. And in doing so, you don't validate the Ukrainian end of the power totem pole. So you're left with a you're left with a, a dilemma for those in that camp that you want to honor the the least powerful, which is Ukraine, but you also want to honor the middle of the power dynamic, which is Russia. And you can't do both because they are at war with each other and you must pick one. So that's an interesting um, can of worms, actually, because really it comes to question how far do you go with this deplorable view of power, power dynamics. For even in Ukraine, there's... There's someone lower on the power totem pole, right? There's the, you know, the the low the low end part of that society, and then there's the the cattle, but then there's the grass which the cattle overpowers, and the grass which overpowers the ground, and then you lead back to the ground. So. Anybody in the camp of finding power to be a, a detestable part of humanity will have to stop their protection of the, the oppressed versus the oppressor at some point. Is it at cattle? Is it at the grass? Or is it at the bedrock of the ground itself? So... The reason that they must stop it is because their motive towards finding power to be so deplorable is, is not grounded in protecting the most oppressed possible ever, but rather to de detest the most powerful. They're not focused on the most oppressed, but rather they're focused on the most powerful. Being as such, it's understandable that they don't care for the grass that the cattle oppresses, so to speak, because 
that doesn't fit with the fact that the cattle are not the ones that they're detesting its power. But they will detest the Western government, especially the United States and the powers to be and all powerful structures of humanity, of institutions, of commercialization. All those they will they will find detestable because not for the protection of the oppressed, but rather for the detestment of the oppressor or rather more frankly of the of the attainment of that power in fact if you study deeper their detestableness towards power is rather not because they find a certain level of power to be a terrible virus of humanity as they will say but rather because they crave to have that power themselves. Why is this so? Because the fact that they're opening their mouth to engage in a power dynamic with those that are powerful, they are engaging in a sense of power. And they are asking with that sense of power, with speech, acts, with activism, they are engaging in a power dynamic where they're asking the more powerful to step down from their power. But by the fact that they are engaging in a power dynamic leaves them only with themselves to be in that position themselves. So in fact, it's not detesting the most powerful that they're after in the nature of power itself, but rather their hopes, their shameful hopes and their unconscious or subconscious or hidden hopes of them gaining that power themselves. It's the jealousy of power itself. For if you really detest power fundamentally, you would never want to engage in the dynamic of destroying power. So you might ask, how do you destroy power if you find it on one side detestable, yet you don't want to engage in a dynamic of power? Well, the answer is you can't. It's impossible. You can't take no role of power in order to destroy the powers to be and be successful because you will have to engage in something. And the fact that we hate power itself is actually fundamentally a love of power. Hating that power is actually loving the power because you are hating that gain. So you are attempting to be in a gain of position for hating, right? You're hating, you're placing yourself above the position of status quo. And in doing so, you are hating taking positions. So the entire ideology of the entire ideal of, of detesting power, it itself is a form of power and cannot be derooted or um, separated from, from that, that, that core structure that, that it's bound to power. 
So let's bring this back to our discussion at hand. You have the Ukrainians in the bottom of the totem pole, the Russians in the middle, and the West on top. Now, if you are viewing it from detesting power, then you will have your opinion, either to protect the Ukrainians or to protect the Russians from the most powerful of the West, which we all can agree on is the most powerful of those three. Now, the other side, the other camp, will, will find the, the Russians' actions to be wrongful from an approach of a Western judgment on the Russians. Now, again, it's, it's an outside judgment. We are judging another nation, what they're doing to another nation. We're making a judgment case. And in doing such a judgment case, we are, we are um, placing ourselves within the, the situation as if we are a member of either the Ukrainian defense or of the inner Russian circle. Because we can't make an outside judgment if we're not aware of the experience at hand. But yet none of us, or at least many of us, have not been in that dynamic of either the Ukrainian defense or the Russian offense. So our judgment is flawed by its distance from the said situation. Now, with that being said, the counter-argument, what, we'll, what we're not going to make a judgment on anything that we're not deeply connected to well first you can make a judgment on what you are connected to the west can make a judgment on the the components that actually affect the west another discussion would be if there's absolutely no connection but usually we're only we only find wars or or um questions of judgment in the world based on things that we are connected to there are many wars happening in the world at the moment. Small, tribal, we, we, we don't glance twice at those because there's nothing relevant to us in them. And that's okay. We don't have to make everything relevant to us all the time. But this is relevant. So a better judgment for the camp that wants to make judgments, that craves the need to make judgments, should discuss, should discuss what actually is affecting them. So if you find that Ukraine is attempting to be Western like yourself and Russia is invading Ukraine, then you find it to be a symbolic attack on yourself. And that's a fear analysis that deserves judgment. So is Russia attacking me? And is it a problem? Am I a problem that the Russians are... Um, are righteous and, and attacking, or am I uh, taking on um, an attack that's unrighteous and unjust? Now, there's a third option, which is I can be just caring for my own safety. Not, not in a realm of right and wrong, but if somebody attacks you, 
you just attack them and you defend yourself as best as you can because you have a it's not just a right you have the deepest tendency to care for yourself first and that's not just it's it's the nature of the fabric of the human being and we shouldn't ignore that so there's no need for judgment somebody attacks you you're not judging them by attacking them you are defending your soul and your body from the offense so now you have the two camps one camp that will find will critique the west and i've said one dynamic of that is is a hatred of power now let's ask let's develop another um component that will lead us to critique the west one is righteous critique where we know the right and wrongs we've already taken into account the fact that we are getting attacked symbolically we've already taken into account um rights and wrongs in our analysis and judgments once we've done that now we are ready for healthy critique sort of like a, a king who has of some of his um, subjects that rebelled and then he squashed the rebellion and then once he've once he's taken the proper precautions he sat back in his throne and analyzed and said how could have i done better that this rebellion would never have started so that's a healthy critique and i find small to be in this camp but there are that are critiquing the west not be, not out of shame but rather out of possibility of growing and developing even further. Now there's a third class, and there's more, but for now there's a third class that hates the West. Somehow lives in the West, enjoys its food and drink, its luxuries and its possibilities, but they find the West to be a terrible institution of we discuss power but of other things of based on their own belief systems they find it to be totalitarian or dictatorship or systematic or or red tape and you know hatred for the for the citizen for the middle class the the obsession over the over the 1% and so on many reasons to to critique the west but for them it's not just a critique they fundamentally hate the west so now they will use critique of the west in this russian scenario as another way to defragmatize the west and their lifelong pursuit of destroying what they live in or what they enjoy from so of course this is as i've insinuated this is ungracious because you should never fundamentally hate that which you are from because you are hating yourself in the process because you are a part of it and you are dependent to them and they are dependent to you and secondly and secondly the west is is arguably not the worst place 
there's there's great arguments that it's not a place of the worst possible state of humanity production of institutions for humanity there's arguments and I, I am unsure if they are willing to have the debate to analyze their their opinions further. Now, there's a fourth class that will critique the West. And they, uh, well, let's leave that out for now. But so you have the three classes that critique the West. There's the power critiquing the fundamental power and whoever's in the, the highest level of power, they will embody power to destroy power, which we've discussed the ironic nature of that. Then there's the critique of the West for healthy criticism, where they've already taken into account proper judgments and taking care of core issues. And now we're only critiquing based on what we can have, what we could have done better for there's always a certain percentage of each dynamic that that we are faulty in although it's not the core narrative right if we say that the west should have taken into account taken into account the the expansion of nato that should be at the backdrop of already a bigger narrative that russia is doing something that's destructive it should be at the backdrop i'm not going to tell you your analysis or your judgment but it should be at the backdrop of something bigger than that which you've already established as a narrative and now you're just coming with a critique and this critique shall, shall not be a new narrative well the expansion of nato is can be a five percent part of that narrative but it shouldn't be the whole narrative because we never look at anything in life like that we never, somebody comes over to you and slaps you. We never say, well, um, the fact that I chose this side of the sidewalk versus the other could have produced this slap. That's, that's, that's a, not just an unhealthy, but a, almost a psychotic approach to a scenario where the clear narrative is the, there's this person who was, who was, who was, um, malevolent to you and, and wrong in their in their human interaction with you and it's, it's it's terrible and then you can discuss well it could be that you know i i chose the to go on that sidewalk because i you know i just i wanted a you know walk where people are walking or maybe even so i wanted to prove my myself as I walk past them, or you could you could start analyzing it further, but only on the backdrop of a proper narrative, because then you're at the risk of just construing judgment, and that's just it's just unfair to yourself and your soul, because you have to bite the dust at the end. And then the third, the third class is the critique, because they fundamentally hate the West for multiple reasons. And they're just using this as an opportunity to, to get another one by us. That's on the side of those who are critiquing the West. On the side of those that are 
on the side of those that are having judgments towards Russia, meaning they're coming from an approach of the West saying, we are obviously right, now it's time for a judgment on them. That's first and healthy dynamic because you should always assume your position when you're being attacked as one of defense and questioning the aggressor. Even if you are terribly wrong and you could have instigated so much, but because you are in a position of being attacked, it's on you to question the aggressor and not to question yourself first. Because then it demonstrates that you actually want yourself to be destroyed. And you would prefer to step into the, the shoes of the Russian government and destroy yourself too. Because you are taking the side of the aggressor as you are getting attacked. You find no compassion for your own soul in your worst scenario, in your worst situation. So fundamentally, it's a wrong approach to life not just to this situation. And then you could find the judgment because you're being symbolically attacked and you could find the judgment on those that are symbolically attacking you. Now again, they are symbolically attacking you. So to treat it as an actual attack, like they're hitting you, they're hitting your physical body, that's a... That's a propagation of war. It's you're 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 dramatizing what what is not, and that's a wrong judgment in itself. So you must treat it symbolically. So if you go and you do an act of war beyond the symbolic nature, then you've you've become the attacker because no Russian thinks that they're attacking the West. They think symbolically, but nobody thinks in their mind, we've just invaded America. And when America responds or the West responds as if they're being attacked physically, well, then the Russians are like, well, we're just dealing with a small war here. And all of a sudden there's this other country that's coming and involving themselves and attacking us. The United States or the West will be taking the role of attacker and aggressor by doing such a thing. And that's understood, and that is why the political choices have been as they were. Because it's symbolically. Now, if you are not defending yourself, meaning you've already taken on the role of defending yourself symbolically, and now you want to take a judgment role, and you want to say, okay... I'm getting attacked symbolically. But how can I analyze this where I could find right from wrong in this scenario and I could find compassion in my heart to the ones that are being hurt? You could find compassion for the civilians in Ukraine. You could find compassion for the soldiers of Ukraine. Or you can find compassion for the soldiers of Russia. 
even you could find compassion for the government of Russia. Now, you have choices to make in your compassion. Now, because you're being attacked symbolically, it would be strange for you to find compassion for the Russian government because you would be deviating from yourself and your compassion for yourself for compassion for someone else. You were destroying yourself in, in order to have compassion for another. But removing all that, if you want to have a pure judgment, then you can't be emotionally involved. But because the West is emotionally involved, symbolically, they are unable to have a pure judgment. Now, if I go to a country that doesn't identify as the West, doesn't feel obligated to be in um, in um, in uh, comparison with the West, doesn't pursue the Western ideologies consciously, although subconsciously they will, as I've argued before, they will too, they will be able to have a pure puritanical judgment of the situation and they could tell you right wrong but from the fact that I and most listeners and most civilized people are you know attached at some point it's unfair to make a right and wrong judgment here so I can't walk away saying who's right and who's wrong because I am attached to it now, I could say, for example, that what happened in Syria, because I'm not attached to Syria, I mean, we're all attached to, at some degree, but not enough to skew my judgment or, or hurt an analysis. The civil war in Syria was terrible on both sides, and it demonstrated a decrepit state of being, of human beings that could just destroy with no end in sight and and terrorize and I make a judgment on anyone who participated in that although if I was emotionally involved I don't know where I would be and I would probably participate so you see I'm making a judgment but if I was emotionally involved in it I would be a part of that negative judgment. But I know what I am judging, Syria as a whole. I am judging it based on right and wrong. This is my ideal. Now, I'm not going to be able to live to my ideal. I'm not going to be able to stand in my ideal. But I definitely can propagate that ideal. Now, how do I practically, if I was in the boots of a Syrian amongst the, uh, a never-ending war of just annihilation of its people? If I was in those boots, what practical decisions would I make? Would I pick up arms? Would I not? Would I leave? Would I? Those are decisions that I would have to make in real time, and, and none of my judgments will apply. They're not even relevant because then I'm in a position of a person. And I have a family, and I have this, and I have that, and there's so many components and variables. And then I have to make a, a whole different judgment. But I still can judge Syria as a whole 
acting terrible, whether it's government or civilian, towards the a 10-year-long destruction of its country. Now, what does that do for me? What does that gain? Well, when I meet my friends and I think see things escalate, when I when I um, get into an argument that could be expanded to somewhere where it shouldn't go, I can hold back and say, I've seen escalation before. And although I don't think this will ever reach the magnitude of Syria, this is a minute example of the possibility of escalation based on opinionated ideals and whatever nonsense each human being feels they have to defend. So I can use that judgment for my own personal use. Although if I am in that actual situation, I would probably not be in that same position. And the same thing goes with the Nazis. I will judge the Nazis saying that they are cruel. I will judge the entire German nation saying that they're detestable, that this, this, this was something that grew out of their children out of their bodies, out of their souls. And I will still judge them to today. But that doesn't mean that if I was in the boots of a, of a German, that I will make those say, I will make decisions based on my judgment now. And I have no idea what decisions I would have made. And probably against my judgment now. Not because I don't have any moral standing but because it's so personal and situational that there is no judgment that I can make that will be proper for that, that situation. And then I would have to make it based on my survival and based on what I find to be the highest regard. And there's so many variables and there's just, there's no end. And there is a possibility that I would have acted just the same, a high possibility. But as I judge it from a non-German standpoint, because I'm Jewish, it's an unfair example because my judgment's a little biased. But you see what I'm saying. Like, there's, I still have a judgment against them. And that leads me to great places because in my hatred for what the Germans have produced... I find in my own lives, in my own being, the, the tentacles of that, of that wrongdoing and how things could steer wrong in certain dynamics. And because you could frame it to anything. You could take any frame and frame, like I'm doing right now with the Russian, you know, Ukrainian war. I'm, I'm framing it to something else. We're not really talking about the Russian-Ukraine war anymore. We're framing it to how we can see in the world and how to make proper judgments and what does it mean to be subjective about something. Ukraine has civilians in it. Now, if I start watching videos where I see civilians in their most decrepit state, I will have compassion for them. 
That's true. But at the same time, I will still want to be in a critique of myself about what I've done or what the West has done to allow Russia to be as frustrated as they are in a healthy way, of course, as I discussed before. So in me watching those videos and having compassion for the civilians, I am hurting my critique of myself because hypothetically my critique is saying I have some causal role in this excuse me I have some causal causal role in this and in doing so how could I have compassion for somebody that's destroyed if I've caused that well am I wrong and there's not a great argument to like I'm causing this percentagely I'm causing this I have a causal role and these civilians are full of blood lying on the floor so, I should have compassion for them, but I'm causing it. So, why would I cause something that causes so much death? If I enter into the space of caring for the civilians too much, then at some point I'm going to have to say it's not me that's causing it and the critique will go away because I will never allow such destruction and, and mayhem to happen if I was causing it. So something's going wrong. So I'm not allowing for proper critique based on my compassion. But a small dosage of compassion is great. And this is a good example for my biased, more emotionally involved situation, which which is the Gaza Wars, right? If I watch none of the videos of of their destructive experiences, then my questions on causal role in that will be superfluous. Will will not have the legitimacy that I'm craving to critique myself on. Now, of course, in this situation, I must. Uh, plug in that first my critique is only after I've established my protection of myself and of course this is based on protection of self and I'm only critiquing after I've established my duty and my rights and my and how I will act which is in defense and some sort of offense to deter future offense strong warfare after that I will be open to critique not before that because my my being is being threatened my being is being attacked so as I said if you start the critique without 
the respect for my own being and the blood of myself or my extended structural family, then I am having compassion for my enemy over the blood of myself. And that's wrong too. So you see how this can scale to any war in any situation. But you have to know, you must know the factors that set the stage of your discussion. One, are you emotionally involved? Is there something you're going to lose or gain in the situation? Or is there something you have lost or gained in the situation? Is your blood at stake here? And in the West, in the Ukrainian war, symbolically their blood is at stake, which is somewhat actually a form of blood. It's a very small amount, but it's... Symbolic comes before actuality, so there's something to that. Secondly, first, how much blood am I in this? Now, why is that important is the first question. Because then the first response should and always should be, how do I protect and allow my being to flourish while being attacked and thwarted? If there's any other response, you are ready to annihilate yourself before your ideas and compassion. And that's wrong fundamentally and it's suicidal you know at its in its worst sense and it's in the future it, it can evolve to suicidalness i don't mean it in actuality i mean it in again symbolically so that's first another reason why that's the most important question of how much blood is involved of myself or my connections of familial or cultural structures is because I need to know where I am in that judgment. I can't make a clear judgment because I must always speak from the person being attacked. Number two, I need a question. Two, is this judgment right or wrong? Meaning, once I've established that it's not me, I'm not involved, is it right or wrong? And number three, recognizing that this will never pan out to the actual situation at hand, although it will pan out to my personal life. I can judge the Nazis. It will never pan out if I was in that position. But it will impact in a positive way on my personal life now. So those three points I think we could leave off with. And getting the proper frame on any political or cultural issue is a great way to run up the intellectual and emotional development of our souls in this midst 
And as Leonard Cohen said, it's in a secret life, right? You could be in the same positions as everyone else, talk about the same issues, but you got it one up. And then it's a secret life. Get your secret life today for free. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.